The Last Time I Cried, brought to you by AIA Vitality. In a new content series for the AFL, we asked some of the game's biggest names one very simple question. When was the last time you cried? In this episode, we speak with Campbell Brown, a hard man, Hawthorne Premiership player, State of Origin player, inaugural son. But in this episode, we saw a different side of Brownie. He spoke about losing his mother in 2019. Do you cry much, Brownie? Not very often. When was the last time you cried? Oh, I remember it pretty vividly, actually, because it was in quite a public venue. It was Caulfield Guineas Day last year, so for the first week of October, and um, gone to the races with some friends. But towards the end of the day, a friend of mine came up to me and sort of put his arm around me and said, uh, mate, I'm sorry to hear about your mum. I know exactly how you feel. And I said, oh, thanks very much, mate. You know, how? How do you know how I feel? And he said, oh, my mum uh, died on Christmas Day. And with that, um, I just burst into tears. I was just like thinking how sad uh, Christmas is a, a day for family and um, and for, for her to die on Christmas Day is the worst day, if there ever is a bad day. And um, then immediately just triggered in me what I'd gone through with my mum um, and that that'd be the first Christmas that I have without her. And I just, I was, I burst into tears and um, we're in the middle of the Pegasus marquee at the Caulfield um, and ended up sitting over in the corner, just both of us crying together. Um, quite a, a public display and people were walking past sort of going, what's going on here? And a lot of the people that employ me um, were there. They must have been thinking, what the hell is, has happened? But, um, yeah, it just, for whatever reason, um, it just set something off in me. And I, I think probably the reason was she battled, well, initially it was um, ovarian cancer, but that spread right throughout her. So she had the operation, was diagnosed a couple of years earlier, and that operation went really well. But then a month later, they'd found it in her brain. So she had to, to go in again and, and have brain surgery. And that surgery went well against probably probability was that it wouldn't, but it went really well. Then there was six months or so of, of radiation and, and chemo. You, you go through all that together as a family. And, um, and then not long after that, they, they diagnosed cancer in her spinal fluid. So that couldn't be cured, um, which eventually made her paralysed. Um, and then it was just riddled right throughout her. And eventually it was the, the liver cancer that, um, that was the one that, that got her in the end. But um, I'd always been telling myself sort of right through the, the process that um, at least you, you have the opportunity, you know that it's coming eventually, so you used to really enjoy 
birthdays and, and Mother's Days and things like that. You, you get an opportunity to, to say goodbye. I had that opportunity um, in respite and I always said that that was a lot easier than if someone just died all of a sudden. Um, and the, the week that she passed away, I, I'd just flown to Sydney for the Hawks and Sydney game and um, I got the news. It's about quarter to seven on the Thursday night and um, I had dinner that night with, with 20 people, so I sort of had to put on a, a happy face and the next day go to the football. And I, I just thought it would be easier for me to continue on and do what I had to do because I don't like letting people down and, and there's, there's no point flying home and just sitting around being morbid all together. So I thought I'd just I'd stay getting stuck into work and, and that worked really well. And the following week I was in a state again, I was travelling a lot and when you're working you're not really thinking too much about it. So um, I just I thought the best way to, to sort of deal with it was just to carry on as normal and I did a fair bit of, of travelling just through work over the next few months and then you get into September and it's really busy with finals and everything and I hadn't probably given myself any time or effort to, to sit down and, and think about it and um, just that one comment on that one afternoon at, at Caulfield just, yeah, just set something off in me and, um, and that was the last time I cried. Had you cried at any stage post-diagnosis or at the funeral or at any stage? I mean, you, you seemingly didn't want to grieve or have time to grieve or allow yourself to grieve. Yeah, I sat at her, her bedside um, in the days before she passed and you sort of say all the, the things that you want to say. So that was pretty emotional. And then getting through the, the eulogy at the, the service, it's quite a, a fun, happy day. It was more a celebration than something too sad and, and getting through the, the speech in front of all your loved ones was tough. Did you get it, through it without crying? I, I broke down at the start, but then you've got to regather yourself and, and say the words that you, you want to say in front of everyone. Um, and it was almost like once I got through that, I was done, you know, like I was done. And then, um, yeah, it was just just right back, like right back into work and just doing things that just took took my mind off it. Stay busy. Stay busy. Um, and uh, and so that's what I did. And, you know, I'm probably not one to to talk about my emotions too much anyway. Yeah, behind closed doors a little bit, but... Did you ever cry behind closed doors with Jess? No. No, I, when I got the news up in Sydney that night, yeah, the, the, the shock and everything... You, you knew that it was coming, but still when you get that phone call from your old man, it's really tough. But as I said, I had to sort of compose myself in 10 or 15 minutes and go down and put on a, a happy face for, for the dinner. And so no, there hadn't been any sort of period of time that I'd just given myself to, to probably process it all. So, yeah, Caulfield Guineas last year was, uh, was a great day. Had a horse win that day. I was there with friends, but that comment towards the end of the day, unintentionally, just sort of triggered a whole lot of emotions for me and, and got the best of me. And I didn't really care who, who saw or, or how embarrassing it might have looked. You know, two grown men crying in the corner of a, 
a marquee, the Caulfield races. I'm, I'm absolutely positive there'd be people there thinking he's he's taking missing the quaddy hard. <laughs> but uh, that was just the moment, and that yeah. was that was the circumstances, and I couldn't control it. Like I'd, if I had my time again, I'd prefer not to have cried in front of 200 people in the marquee. But that was that was when it came out, and I couldn't stop it. Did you feel at the end of it better for crying and almost releasing whatever had been built up? Oh, yes and no. Um, you know, I think every day that goes by you, you feel better and there's no doubt there's a part of me that having just got it all out there, yeah, you feel a little bit a little bit better but everyone deals with things differently and there's no right or wrong way, I suppose, to, to deal with a tragedy like that but... Um, at the time, for me, just like I, I was so busy with interstate travel and I had an overseas trip and I had a lot of work through that month of, of July um, last year that I'm just jumping back into work and keeping myself really busy was what I thought was the best way to deal with it. But clearly you need to, you need to get your emotions in check and... Um, and sort yourself out eventually at some stage. How do you remember your mum, Kay? Oh, she's probably a bit like the rest of the Brown family, half mad. Anyone that attended more of your footy than Kay? Oh, probably not. Uh, of my uh, 205 games, she only missed two. Two. Um, went into state. Uh, when I went and played in Ireland, they came over. Like, they loved it. It, it became their social getaway as well as watching watching the Hawks and the, the Suns play and myself. But um, one of the games she missed was when I got badly injured against Adelaide. And uh, and she's not superstitious, but she almost she almost felt. thought, yeah, felt like, oh, well, that, that's one of the reasons I got injured. So um, I don't think she ever missed a game after that. Do you know why she missed the two? Uh, she went to Hong Kong for one, and I, ca I can't remember the other one, but um, just... They just loved footy, just um, were that passionate about it. Your mum and dad would sit together. Mal would be taking the notes and mum would be... Well, they'd sit together at the start of the game. <laughs> they weren't always sitting together by the end of it because, um, well, my old man would sit there taking notes, you know, some areas that I might need to work on or how many goals my opponent kicked, which wasn't many. Um, and my mum was was the screamer, the one that would get really vocal and um, yelling out the opposition, and and um, she always used to call me Basil, which was a nickname I had as I reckon in year four or five at junior school. Um, but she didn't want people to know who she was yelling out to, so she disguised it by yelling out, "Go Basil!" And I could quite often hear her if we were. At, Marvel Stadium. AFL games. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Often I'd be able to hear, hear her yelling out, um, go Basil, <laughs> um, in the crowd, which was, was pretty funny. But uh, yeah, then the old man who might just have to <laughs> drift apart a few seats. Did Mel cry? Have you seen Mel cry around the passing of his wife? Yeah, he has. And it's, um, it's the only time I've ever seen the old man break down at all in um, nearly 37 years of my life. He, he's definitely not a crier, but, yeah, he, he 
broke down on a few occasions. Um, they were for married for oh, near 40 odd years. Never a fight. Well, they only ever had one fight and it started in 1980 and it finished, <laughs> <laughs> it finished halfway through last year. Yeah, healthy, healthy debates, we call them in the Brown household. But um, it's, it's just, you don't expect that she was a picture of health until she was about 68 years of age, never had been sick in her whole life and just out of absolutely nowhere, um, went to the doctors one day and got diagnosed with, with ovarian cancer and sort of it blows you away a little bit. One that, you know, someone who'd been so healthy and there were no signs of it at all could, could be sick. And then it, just the impact it has on, on the rest of the, the family, um, you know, and going in for multiple surgeries. And um, then when the, the cancer was in the spinal fluid, you just you gradually saw her deteriorate to you know, a place that you never want to see, your loved ones are struggling to get around in constant pain, um, which just meant she became very dependent on, on Mel, which had never been the case. It was quite often the other way around. Yeah. And you could see her getting angry and frustrated because she couldn't do the things she wanted to do and, and the things she loved and checking her into to respite is sort of, it's pretty tough because... You know that the end's coming. Yeah. Nice she met Boston. I think that's one of the things that kept her alive. Um, and she got to see my sister get married as well. I'm, I'm positive that Boston kept her alive for another six or 12 months. She loved him. It's good though. It's good to be able to talk about it. Yeah. The one thing that I reckon I've got much more accepting of is that we've all got these stories that have affected us, whether it be a death or a childhood incident or a... It's like no one is without incident, you know. And the more you share them, the more you realise that you always need to look after each other, you know. It's like... Yeah. When I, I don't reckon I've... I've never seen you cry, but I would hope that you have... You, know, you talk about being embarrassed at Caulfield that time. It's like, why though? Like, we're all built to be emotional creatures. And when we cry, it's like, why am I crying? It's like, who cares? You are, so do. Yeah, no, there's, there's definitely nothing wrong with it. Um, and everyone does it, you know? So, yeah, it's just, I don't even, I don't even care about um, being vulnerable or anything. As you get a bit older and you become a, a parent and stuff, just, it's just life. But yeah, when you're a bit younger and you're in the footy scene and everything, you try and keep your emotions in check. Uh, your point, it's like when you are young, you think, I can't cry. I can't cry in front of them. It's like, I wonder why you think that. You're not mature enough to understand, I guess, mm -hmm. that it's a natural emotion. Yeah. I can't imagine, um, I'm pleased she met Boston. I can't, 
Pip is, I wonder what she thought was the most unlikely, you having a child or Pip getting married. Both are having No, definitely, definitely Pip getting married. Yeah. Yeah. So who was first? Pip getting married was first and Boston was second? Or the way around? No, the way around. Yep. Yep. You should be looking on. Proud of Boston, proud of you. Yeah. Still annoyed at Mel. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> it's just, uh, yeah, a lot of life goes on. Um, you just can't, you can't stop everything in, in life just because of something like that. You, you still need to continue to to keep living and I suppose that, that's what I thought was the best way to do it, just keep doing what, what, what was normal, you know, yeah. but you, you're in... You're not in a normal circumstance. It's a lot of, it's a lot of, I don't know what it is. It's not, it's not guilt, but a lot of outside influences, you know, affect just not just your, your parent who's sick, but everything else around that, trying to manoeuvre through it. The feelings of, of brothers and sisters and other parents and people coming and going. It's a great, um, I mean, you had time you knew it was happening. I was thinking about it the other day that, like, when was the last time I told one of my brothers I really loved him? You know, and if anything happened to them, or mum or dad, like, and then you start worrying about that last conversation. Was it the right conversation? Mm. What didn't I say? It's like, you know, Spud, why, he texted me, but why didn't I call him back straight away? Because I didn't speak to him. Yeah. The regrets and the, the what ifs and the. Yeah, I know. Do you think about mum every day? Yeah, you do. Just in random ways. I lived at home till I was 23. I think who's going to make my bed? <laughs> like, without fail, you know, like, wake up, breakfast, whatever I wanted, I'd have the choice. Scrambled eggs, omelette, savoury mince, cup of tea, coffee. Toasted sandwich, mate, gourmet, bed made, clothes cooked, clothes cleaned. Sometimes I'd have to stop her from giving me a lunchbox to take to training. <laughs> but, but, uh, <laughs> I can't imagine. Mate, she would have. Yeah. She was so loyal, and she. Thank you. No, mate. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to The Last Time I Cried, brought to you by AIA Vitality. Just a reminder, you can subscribe to the feed so you don't miss any great stories.